Hey everyone, welcome to Meet Sports Alcohol for Monday, February 15th. We have an awesome show for you today. Uh, first, we're going to sit down with Gil McGregor. He's a digital content producer for NBA Global Editions, uh, and we're going to give a little NBA season update. Uh, we're going to talk about his career, playing college basketball with some NBA players, uh, how this season is a bit different and how it's gone so far. And then we knock out some rapid fire cliche questions to close out the season or about the season. And then we're introducing a new segment called Ask the Analytics. Uh, thank you, Meters, for sending us your questions this week over Instagram. In this segment, we're going to answer your questions about sports, meets, and anything else, just using straight facts and logic. Uh, and then after that, we have another installment of Dylan's lackluster performance of the week. All right. Take it away, Chet. We now welcome on Gil McGregor. He's a digital content producer for NBA Global Editions and host of the Raptors Pod Table podcast. Raptors Pod Table is available on all platforms and his writing for NBA Global Editions is over at ca.nba.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at gmcgregor21. Thanks so much for joining us, Gil. Really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I really, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, cool. Absolutely. Yeah, so we just kind of wanted to start with just a little bit more about yourself. Uh, I know you played some basketball in college. Wake Forest, your dad was an, a professional player and a broadcaster as well. Um, so it, all, it seems like basketball had to always be a big part of your life. If you want to just like tell a little bit about your story, you know, was that something that you always thought you were going to get into, that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, it's funny. People always use like the cliche of ball is life and they just say it or whatever. And I, I would feel cliche if I said that, that that's me, but but it's definitely all I know. Um, you know, I, I kind of think about it. I grew up around the NBA, just um, not a lot of people are, are fortunate enough to be able to say that. But, um, you know, my dad started working for the Charlotte Hornets in 1988 and I was born in 94. So that's all I knew. We moved to New Orleans uh, in 2002. And um, around that time, I got to be able to be a, a ball boy. So I was little eight, nine-year-old kids chasing around, you know, basketballs rebounding. I got a chance to be around, you know, uh, the the best, biggest stars. And I was li literally living the dream um, and, and always wanted to be in the NBA. And I kind of joke around, think about it. Like if 12-year-old me saw me now writing about the NBA, I probably would think I was a nerd. But, um, <laughs> but you know, honestly, you know, had you asked me when I was younger if I couldn't play, uh, in the NBA, what I want to do and, and be able to cover, being able to cover the sport and stay around basketball is is really cool. But obviously, again, like any other kid that grew up around the game, I, I wanted to make it to to, to the big leagues and, and go to the NBA. But um, ended up playing throughout my high school uh, years. Went to high school in New Orleans, Louisiana. Ended up going to prep school for a year at uh, Brewster Academy in New Hampshire, which is pretty cool because a couple of my teammates are, are went on to play in the NBA, or and some are still in the NBA now. Oh, cool. um, and had a Funny, funny college journey, but uh, ended up at, at Wake Forest. Had some of my best college basketball years at, at Wake Forest. So, uh, stayed around basketball one way or another. Uh, I was a walk on at Wake Forest, so that's kind of the where where I think it helps. You know, like I said, I had some teammates end up making it big. You 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 compare yourself to them and realize how good you actually have to be, and uh, you realize it's nothing personal. These guys were literally born to play professionally. Um, and that's when the reality sets in. You start thinking about that plan B. So um, started thinking about a plan B and 
a lot of things kind of worked in my favor, ended up uh, doing, doing an internship with Sporting News. And uh, I guess that was spring of 2018 and uh, ended up launching our, our parent company was called Perform at the time, uh, ended up launching an NBA project. And because of my basketball knowledge, they asked if I wanted to be a part of it. And the rest is history, as they say. So it's a kind of a cool journey, cool path to stay around basketball for sure. That's awesome. It, it's so funny to hear you say like younger you would be looking at you now covering the NBA and be like, what a nerd. Because I feel <laughs> like to 99% of kids saying your job when you're older is going to be to write about the NBA. You'd be like, oh, my God, that's so sick. Like, that's <laughs> all you could dream of is uh, being yeah. around the sport. Um, what was the transition like? Like, obviously, I mean, having the dreams to play NBA, um, but then you kind of like fell into this, the journalism role and covering and writing about the sport. What was that transition like, just having to pick up the media side of things? Some things were, were easier than others, but some things were really difficult. Um, I, I think it's kind of one of those things where uh, I really didn't have very much formal uh, journalism training. You know, I never really went to like an, uh, a, a traditional J school. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, so, 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 you, so you can relate. You can relate. Yeah, very um, <laughs> so, so when I when I'm and I'm really grateful that they gave me the opportunity to. Um, you know, get the internship internship that I got because I'm sure that, you know, some people would have looked at my credentials and my resume like, yo, what does this kid even think he's doing? You know, um, but but the but the thing that helped was the the learning curve. I, I was able to pick up on a lot of things really quickly. I didn't have any bad habits that they had to tell me to stop doing. I was learning a lot of things for the first time. Right. Um, so uh, as far as that goes, just just the actual learning the technicalities of things, I think it helped me become better faster if that makes sense um just because you know people were were telling me about you know this how you do this and and you know don't do this this is a no-no and I, I try to pride myself on being the person even when I was playing and trying to be coachable you know people use those uh words too as far as just not making the same mistake twice so you know whether it was subject verb agreement or like you know how you organize a story things like that uh the the things that the people who were very experienced taught me you know, it kind of stuck with me and I kind of kept rolling. And I think that helped me uh, really get to where I am ultimately, as far as that goes. As far as the basketball side of it, like I said, I think once I got to Wake Forest and realized, okay, I'm be walking on and like, you know, you're playing against Brandon Ingram or you're playing against, you know, all these guys that, that we played against in the ACC, you get a chance up close and, you know, I'm sitting at the end of the bench seeing like, oh man, like, that's that's what it takes. All right, what, what's plan B going to be? And, and again, like kind of what, like I said, 12-year-old me thought it was pretty nerdy, but, you know, 21-year-old me was like, okay, how can I stay around basketball, stay around sports as, as quick as possible? And, you know, consuming a lot of media and seeing, you know, the way, way people get into things, I, feel, I felt like writing and covering sports like that as a journalist would be a, a pretty good pathway to get to uh, deeper into sports media. Yeah. yeah. You, uh, so you mentioned, you know, playing against guys like Brandon Ingram, so yeah. realizing, like, what it takes. Do you have any, like, specific stories of, like, you know, like some guys talk about like, you know, Brian Scalabrini showing up to a YMCA game and like putting up 50. Like, do you have any of those kind of stories where you're like, these dudes are legit. This is crazy. So many, man. So many. I, th I think it, it first started for me when I got to prep school. Um, a couple of my teammates at prep school, TJ Warren, who was with, with yeah, uh, Indiana now and Jakar Simpson is also with Indiana. Um, and our first time just having like an open gym here I am coming up there thinking I'm the man. Like I was 
all state in Louisiana and like the, the district MVP. And funny enough, like our district was the same, like with Newman high school in new Orleans where like Peyton and uh, all the Mannings when Odell Beckham was my contemporary. So I played against him dozens of times yeah. in basketball and high school. And we were like, you know, on the same level athletically. So I'm thinking, okay, cool. Like I'm the representative of, of new Orleans. I'm going to come out here and we're just out there and you see like one teammate do a windmill. I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. And like, you know, another guy goes between his legs and I'm like, all right, I can like maybe like dunk with two hands a little bit. And like all these coaches are there, they're coming like weekly. And like, I mean, literally you name the coach, they came to see us play. Like we're in like, I won't say the middle of nowhere, but we're, we're in a very remote location in New Hampshire and coach K is coming and John Calipari is there to see all these guys play. And you look to your left and your right and see like what it is that they're kind of there for what they, what they're, what they're, what they're, uh, I guess what they go for as far as the guys they recruit. And you're like, yeah, so I got to start thinking about uh, some, maybe some lower <laughs> levels and, and seeing what, what, what really fits for me. So uh, it wasn't anything, I guess, specific, other than the level of athleticism that I saw from those guys and just the way they easily did it. Cause I mean, again, this was 10 years ago actually, which makes me feel kind of old, but um, 10 years ago and, and I was 17 and a lot of these guys were 17, 18 years old, being able to do a lot of things that NBA players can't do. And I was like, Oh, okay. This, this is, this is what it's really like. Yeah. So when TJ Warren just blew up in the bubble you you must have seen that coming. You're like, oh, I've of seen course, that in practice a million times, yeah, a million millions of times. It's crazy. One of the things, like I and I actually something I, I wrote about, which is it's a cool um, element to be able to write about guys that you actually really know personally, and you can kind of come from a different perspective. But playing with playing being his teammate, and again, I played behind like seven D one guys, so I didn't even take it personally that I didn't get in that much. Um, I understood that the you know I'd be buried on the bench, but there would be games where you know he would just effortlessly score and he's like wait when did he get 25 how did he get to 30 how did he get to 35 he like it just he's just a natural score like people say that a lot but they don't really understand what it's like and like it, it sounds so simple but like because he's such a skilled finisher around the rim he always makes his layups and like that's so he's like just like a like an elementary thing but like whether it's reverse layups contested layups this and that like that would be a quick eight, 10 points. And then like, you know, he, he gets to the line a couple of times and now he's got 16, 18 and, you know, seeing him do it at the prep school level. And then he eventually won ACC player of the year. And, you know, of all the teammates I had, he and I have probably kept in touch the most. So it was, it was really cool to see him finally get, um, I guess the, I don't say the respect, but, but the recognition that, that he kind of had quietly just been a guy who produced and being able to do it for a winning team and, and to get the team to the playoffs last year in the bubble was, was pretty cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a so I'm a Heat fan. So okay. Until that <laughs> yeah. point, I only knew him as as the the guy that Jimmy Butler hated. So. Yeah. yeah. It was cool to see that. A lot of people are the guy that Jimmy Butler hates. Though. Yeah. Also <laughs> true. Also true. If you if you're not his teammate, then you're probably on that list. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The other guy you named there though, Brandon Ingram. Like that just strikes mm-hmm. me as one of those guys that like I would you could just never stop. Like especially in high school, college, him being yeah. so tall, like his shot making and everything. It's just like how would anybody who can't compete athletically like ever prevent that guy from scoring in a million yeah. years? It's crazy. So, so the fun part about Brendan Ingram, uh when so again, the the, the gift and the curse of being a walk on, we're scout team all the time. So in the days leading up to Duke, this guy was Brandon Ingram in practice. I'm Brandon Ingram in practice, and they're just like, yeah, every time you touch it, just let it fly. So I'm, like, channeling my Brandon Ingram mode, and I'm probably, like, a tenth of as, as talented as he actually is, but I'm letting it fly every time. And it's in- interestingly enough, his year at Duke, it took some time for him to kind of get his his legs under him and figure some things out. 
Um, and, and Coach K kind of tailored the the, the lineup kind of, I want to say maybe right around conference time. And that's when he really found his stride and established himself as being like that number two guy. But, you know, that, that that season, we actually played against Ben Simmons like a couple weeks earlier. So we played the number one team, number one pick and the number two pick uh, in the same season. We did. We actually right. went to LSU and beat LSU, which was pretty cool for me because all my friends were there. All my friends were at LSU and uh, I got a chance to have some bragging rights over them with that. But Ben Simmons and Brandon Ingram, seeing those the top two picks play within weeks of, of each other, you just really realize they're on another level. Like, I know people criticize Ben Simmons so much for kind of coasting through his year uh, LSU, really not trying to get hurt and, and understanding the bigger picture was getting to the NBA. But we were beating them by, like, maybe nine or ten with, like, two minutes left. And he just turned it to another gear and almost – brought them back to win the game in the matter of like 80 seconds. And that's when you realize, okay, this guy is on a different level than everybody else. He's a 6'10", playing point guard, can jump out of the gym. Like he had like a reverse dunk, like didn't need to do it, but he just did because he could. He's um, and you, because he's, cause he's Ben Simmons, literally because he's Ben Simmons. And uh, seeing that type of stuff up close is, is, is really cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I, Ingram kind of had the same thing once he got to the NBA too. It took him a couple of years to get to yeah. stride. And now, I mean – I, I hate playing against him because it's kind of like the KD where like he pulls up from anywhere, you're draped all over him and he makes it every time. And it's like, I don't know how anyone's supposed to defend that. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, got his, he has that length and it's crazy actually. Yeah. Um, enough, I went down to one of the last sporting events I've been to live was uh, in New Orleans when uh, the Jazz played the Pelicans and Brandon Ingham had like 49 and a game winner. And seeing, seeing him do that and having like, you know, kind of not full circle because like I've known him all his life, but, you know, having seen him in college figure things out and then, you know, stumble out of the gates in the NBA and the whole saga with L.A. and, and you know, LeBron doesn't want you as your teammate anymore, you know, whatever, whatever, all that noise that effect obviously impacts you one way or another and dealing with the blood clot too. Um, you know, if he wasn't yeah. most improved player, he could have been comeback player of the year last year as well. So to see him go from that to being an all-star, um, you know, it's just crazy. These guys are like 22, 23 years old still. So they have way more levels they can tap into. And, and, and it's kind of cool to think about, you know, he's averaging 24 points right now and he hasn't even come close to his prime. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's a good transition. We did want to actually talk some NBA with you. Okay, <laughs> uh, okay. Kind of like a season update sort of thing. Um, just, I guess, like, I guess this is kind of the time where everyone's done with football and they're kind of just paying yeah. attention to the NBA again, like checking the standings, seeing how their team is doing, finally catching teams on league pass, things like that. For you, what has this season been like? Um, what have you enjoyed about the season? What have you not enjoyed? Kind of like what's the status of the season for you so far? I think, I mean, the first thing we think about the 2020-21 season, and I'm pretty sure anybody who who works in sports, whatever it is, it's, it's been a weird year, obviously, with, yeah. with everything going on and the season started when it, when it started. Um, and, and it does feel like – the first month or so you had to take with a grain of salt because there were teams who came out of the gates hot um, that weren't really that good. Like the Magic went out, got out to their best start in franchise history, but then they've come back down to earth. They've dealt with yeah. a ton of injuries and, and things of that nature. Um, the but, Knicks winning like yeah, <laughs> right, nine out of ten right, or whatever. Right, right. Julius Randle looks like the best player in the NBA, and he's yeah. definitely putting an all-star season together, but he looked like the best player in the NBA for a little while. So it's definitely been weird uh, with that because, you know, you, you've had to factor in that, you know, coming into it, like guys are going to miss games due to health and safety protocols. Guys are going to contract the virus and they're going to miss time. And that's just been a weird thing to have to take into account. It was just the real reality of the season. Um, But now that we're, I guess, like a month and a half into it, you can kind of 
tell what's for real and what isn't. It's not surprising that, you know, you look at the standings and the Lakers and the Clippers are towards the top. It might be a little surprising that the Utah Jazz are at the top. You know, if you look at the standings, it's not a mistake that the Jazz have the best record in the NBA. I think they, at the time we were recording this, they won like 17 out of 18 or 18 out of 19 games. Um, So that's the big thing now, Uh, you know, looking at the at the standings and looking at what you've seen so far and trying to still decipher what's real and what isn't. You know, some teams, I think, have records that aren't necessarily indicative of how good they actually are. The Nets have missed a lot of time due to health and safety protocols, and they're probably better than, you know, a team that's just a few games over 500. Um, mm-hmm. So so that's been kind of the thing that – and then from a personal level, you know, crazy enough, this time last year I was in Chicago for All-Star Weekend um, and, and not being able to really be on location and and, uh, and, and cover games the way that we, that we normally do. Um, you know, games are available for media to go to, um, but – a big part I feel like of that was being able to go to the locker rooms and, and talk to players and, and, and things of that nature. It's just adds an element to reporting, which understandably can't be right now and probably won't be for another year or so. Um, so, so that kind of takes away from it. You know, you're sitting in on zoom calls and you raise your hand, you might get selected for a question, this or that. So um, as far as reporting, it, it's added a different dynamic uh, from that, but Overall, I think that the product is still the product. Um, you know, LeBron James is playing at the MVP level still, and, and you know the games are still broadcasted. And and I don't think it's ultimately really impacted the level of basketball or the quality of basketball that we've seen. It's just been really kind of you don't know who's going to be on the floor on any given night, and I think that's the biggest variable. Right. Yeah. Is uh, we have a we have a buddy who's a reporter for the Daily Cal. Um, mm-hmm. At uh, we both went to Cal, okay. and. Um, uh, he said he actually kind of enjoyed the whole Zoom reporting thing as he could like talk to Coach Wilcox in his underwear. Uh, like, have you had any of that? Is there any parts of this that you've kind of been like, all right, this is kind of nice. Like I can take this in bed, that kind of thing. Or is it you really missed like the one on one like personal interaction you've been getting with the players? I will say that there there are advantages and disadvantages as are with anything. I think um, it, it gives you wider reach, you know. So, you know, if I want to sit in on a Zoom session of the Phoenix Suns and Philadelphia 76ers, I can't. I don't have to be in Phoenix for it. I don't have to be in Philadelphia for it. I can do it from the comfort of my bedroom. Um, you know, I think as far as establishing familiarity, sometimes you can get more genuine answers when you're around somebody and they're looking in the eyes and, you know, are not just a person through the screen. They might not be able to see you. Um, but, but definitely does help. You know, we, one big thing that we've been really following and covering over on, on NBA.com is uh, the G League Ignite, the new pathway program. You know, we kind of got our foot in the door pretty early with that and realizing it's going to be something potentially transformative. So, you know, here we are sitting in on zoom calls and it's, crazy as it sounds interviewing 17 18 year old kids that are in walnut creek california you know from all across we're, we're cross country doing that so that that's definitely been an advantage and, and i guess that part of it you hope kind of stays around um because in the past you're just relying on you know going on twitter seeing who has the first who's the first person to get the quotes who's the first person to come with the video but now you can kind of have your own thing and develop your own stories and, and not have to rely on anybody else yeah, it's crazy to think about it, too, from, like, a team chemistry perspective. I'm a Nets fan. watch lots of Nets games. And it's like, we could get into the Nets if we want. Of course, um, of course. But, like, Steve Nash was saying, like, you know, I can't even – I'm not even getting to know these new players like I would normally. Like, you know, usually you go out to dinner, you have team activities, you're just, like, kind of intimately together when you travel, things like that. And now it's just, like, a business relationship. You don't really have that same amount of time together uh just like talk or whatever so i imagine this season's maybe having an impact on team chemistry and things like that 
as well. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't imagine that at all. You know, having played myself and then just, you know, kind of understanding the best teams and where their chemistry comes from. I guess now that now we kind of talk about that. Like it, it, it makes it less of a surprise that the Jazz team who who does have a lot of continuity, obviously they had a lot of of, uh, you know, discontent within the locker room last year, but it seemed like they got over that um, and figured it out because this is a group that pretty much returned everybody. So that chemistry that needs to be built um, isn't really necessarily, it's already there, there. So um, that, that might be, has something to do with how, how good they came out of the gates. Yeah. Yes. I mean, speaking of teams that are good, I watched the Jazz crush the Heat last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They are making teams solid. look so silly. Like yeah. that Bucks game the other night too. It yeah. was just like they make they made the Bucks look stupid. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. And I know it's funny now people are wondering like are they really, really for real? Are they like the two thousand fourteen Spurs that just, you know, put on a master class and took it to a championship? Or are they like, you know, one of those Hawks teams that finished with the number one seed and then just LeBron sweeps them in the playoffs. And yeah. The the, the fun thing is you won't know until the playoffs come here. But then uh, I guess that adds a thing that I don't think anybody really expect them to be what they are so you know that's a fun uh, element to this year so far i'm gonna go ahead and say no i'm gonna say that they get knocked out, <laughs> well, knocked out the they're more than like the hawks Un- unfortunately yeah. that actually takes out one of our cliche rapid fire questions which is are the jazz for real and it seems like your answer is maybe <laughs> uh, yeah I, I would say yeah yeah maybe 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 yeah yeah <laughs> you want to run through a few more of these rapid fire cliche questions so basically dylan and i put these together because as we were writing questions okay. we're like we just sound like any kind of nba talk show right now <laughs> of like course. Stephen a smith like when will lebron slow down kind of things <laughs> uh so we're wondering if we could kind of just knock these out real quick and get your answer to them so that's the first one when will lebron slow down Oof. you know i feel like uh the best answer to that is he'll slow down when he decides he wants to slow down. I think, you know, um, I've, I've and growing up, I've, I've, LeBron was my favorite athlete. I think that started around like the age of 10 or 11. So now saying that at 26, almost 27 years old, we've been saying, or people have been saying from the outside, like, Oh, this is the year he's going to be 36 it's a short, short turnaround, blah, 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 blah. And now he's, you know, playing at an MVP level, you know, after a 72 day off season. So it, it pretty much appears as though like LeBron's going to slow down whenever he decides it's time for him to slow down. I could see him playing at this level until he's 40 years old, realistically. Like, yeah. I, I think it, it kind of shows like they say he puts like a $1.5 million into his body and the proof is definitely in the product. So, uh, yeah, LeBron's going to slow down when he decides he wants to. Uh, plus, I feel like like with Tom Brady just getting the, the ring at 43, LeBron... LeBron wants to keep playing. Longer. Of course, he doesn't want to lose to Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, like, plus of course. he's so cl- he's closer to Jordan now, right? He's one yeah. off from yeah. being one off. So right, and, and, and I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what people will say if if he's six and six. You know, obviously there's a lot that has to go right for that to happen. But you know, you know, Jordan never lost. Da, 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 da. Like, all, yeah, that's that's very true. But if if LeBron makes it twelve times and wins half of them, I think. That's a pretty compelling argument. So I think he he realizes that too. He might not admit it, but I think he realizes that. Yeah. All right. Next rapid fire. Uh, is Lamelo legit? Hundred percent. Hundred percent legit. Hundred percent legit. Like I, I mentioned before, I grew up a Hornets fan. Um, and and since the team moved and changed the name, it doesn't really feel the same. So and obviously, I can't really be a fan anymore. Anyway, but um, you know, having grown up and and seeing him and the relevance that he's kind of brought back to the franchise. You know, and I said this the other day, like, no disrespect to Kimba Walker. I think he's the greatest Hornet of all time. But as far as, like, his just mellow star that he has and, and the 
the the attention that he commands and, and like making the team a must-see product on a night-to-night basis, he's probably like the biggest star that the franchise has had since like Larry Johnson, Alonzo Mourning. And the fact that he's doing what he's doing, the passes that he's making at 19 years old, like real true Hornets fans should be really excited for what he's going to be doing when he's like 22, 23 and like doesn't make these silly mistakes and things of that nature. So I really think he's legit. I, th- I said it going to the draft that he might've been the most talented player in the draft class. And I think so far he's proven it pretty quickly. Yeah. I, I gotta be honest though. No disrespect. Kemba Walker is the greatest Hornet of all time. It's I was going to say Devontae Graham. I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> God. I was gonna say, are you sure it's not Gordon Hayward yet? I mean, yeah, he's 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 coming time. for it. Yeah, he's coming he's for it. For he's coming title. for it. He's coming for the title. He's coming for the title for sure. That's rough. Um, <laughs> sticking <laughs> on the subject, though, uh, was this rookie class underrated overall? I think so. I think it's weird with rookies. Um, I think we were spoiled a few years ago with Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum. I think everybody expected. All right a rookie class is only successful if they come in and each impact playoff series. When in reality, like the, the deal with rookies is going to be up and down and they're going to, you know, if they have more highlights than lowlights, I think it's a successful rookie season. And, you know, you look at LaMelo doing what he's doing, Tyrese Halliburton in Sacramento, Anthony Edwards has had some really great moments in, in Minnesota and uh, James Wiseman in, in Golden State as well. Uh, and, and, and littered around the, the class as well, like you have the Emmanuel Quickleys and guys like that. Um, the draft ha- had a bunch of guys who will probably end up being, you know, very good role players. But there's nothing wrong with being role players. You got to get your role players from somewhere. And I think that people see like, oh, this role player went 16 in a draft. And no disrespect to who went 16. I couldn't tell you right off the top of my head who went 16 in 2020. But I think people were like, oh, you know, like Giannis went 15th. You got a role player with the 15th pick. That's terrible. But like in reality, the draft, the draft is really a crapshoot. You don't know what guys are going to be. And uh, as long as they're a, a positive for you, I think that that's what it's going to be. And I think there are a lot of guys who have already proven that they're going to be a positive asset for their franchises for years to come. And, you know, there's going to be some stars come out of this class. So I think anytime there's stars, then it's going to be a positive draft class for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I always hate the like um, hindsight draft pick type <laughs> thing, but I will say, I wanted Emmanuel quickly, really badly, and he looks really, really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I feel like Preston Chua will be a guy who who proves a lot of teams will kick themselves for not taking him either. I mean, and and honestly, like Max Struess might be the best guy that you guys got. Not a, not a you, just, you, yeah. you, you you pick up this guy who was on a two way last year, yeah. um, and 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 here he is scoring career highs on national TV. Yeah. So doesn't matter. It, you know, you guys got Max True, so you're good. It's the secret sauce of the heat is finding unknown white guys to just ball out. Amazing, <laughs> oh. man. It's amazing. Max True's had that that uh, stat line recently, right, where he scored like 20 points, got zero rebounds, zero, <laughs> zero assists, nothing zero else. turnovers, yeah. nothing else. Yeah, that Buckets was, that was only. hilarious. <laughs> Buckets only. Buckets only. All right. Uh, next rapid fire. Uh, is Beal really a superstar if he can't win on his own? Ooh, mm. man, that's 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 actually a tough one. Stumped him. <laughs> I, that's a tough. You got that. That that's a tough one. I I I feel like I will say yes. I'll say yes because of how really unfortunate situation is right now, and and I do think if you can't score sixty points in a game and not be a superstar, you know, so I so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because. The Wizards have been ravaged. Their roster's been ravaged, and and they made some questionable roster decisions in the offseason. But 
I, I do think that if, if he had a little bit of better around them, they would be a team that was not at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, uh, but but missing games and injury and stuff like that. Him leading the league and scoring, he's definitely a superstar. So I'll give him the credit that he deserves as a superstar for sure. All right, and I, I just have to get this in. Like I said, I'm a Nets fan. <laughs> Lots of people are talking about the Nets. Lots of people hate the Nets right now. Yeah. Uh, and everyone has their Nets take. What's your Nets take? My Nets take... I don't think this is this is like the Nets are not going to be the Nets this season. I think and I don't know if that's that hot of a take or that scorching of a take, but I I think they might figure it out in the postseason. But I, I really think that like it, you're kind of on a window starting next year. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think like you mentioned before, what Steve Nash was saying, like this being such a weird year, because I've just never seen a team so up and down. And again, I get like. Kevin Durant is missing a week because you rode in the car with somebody that tested positive for COVID. And, you know, they're integrating James Harden and Kyrie needs to take some time away from the team. All these things are going on. Um, and I think if, if the year was a little more regular, we'd have a better idea. And I also think that now that they have that big three in place, they're going to be a lot of veterans who are going to be willing to take a cheap deal to, to boost the, the defense a little bit next year. And I know that, that the talk around their defense has been kind of tired. They look good defensively against Golden State, but – Golden State doesn't have much outside of Curry, as, as by the way, of the offense. Um, but I think that you don't start there. I say you don't start their championship timer until next year. I think this year is not a mulligan. I think anything is kind of house money this year. But uh, next year is when the Nets, like, it's like really, really like, let's do it now or, or, or figure something out. Yeah, up and down is so true. I mean, as someone mm-hmm. who watches these games, like the Pistons lost this week, <laughs> yeah. losing to the Raptors. It's just crazy when you see KD. Like, these guys score effortlessly. The passes that Harden was making in that Warriors game, it's just like, how can they lose to these bad teams yeah. and still have three Hall of Fame caliber players? It, it just, they kind of drive me crazy. But I yeah, know people, it is are, weird. people are tired. Of the Nets. Yeah, yeah. People are tired of you complaining about the Nets. <laughs> That's not true. People love hearing yeah. me talk about the Nets. That's <laughs> what um, fan is all about is complaining about your team, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even when your team is ridiculously stacked. <laughs> yeah, I got it. One of the best big threes ever, but yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, hey, I also had to deal with 10 years of our best player being like Rondé Hollis Jefferson. So you know, <laughs> I, I deserve it. I deserve it. True. That's true. Um, all right. Final, final rapid fire cliche question. Uh, Who's who's in the NBA Finals? Who's winning this year? Ooh, I'm gonna go Lakers Bucks. The Sixers have burned me in years past, and I've learned my lesson. I'm not I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, they look great right now, and Joel Embiid is, is probably second in my MVP ladder right now. Mm. But I think the Lakers, like we kind of said before, that the Jazz are gonna have a difficult time. Like LeBron's just gonna say I'm LeBron, and he's gonna do what he has done in plenty of years in the past in the in the playoffs if they were to meet. And uh, I think the the Bucks, Giannis is in prove it mode, and uh, I think with Drew Holiday added to the team, I think they realize they, you know, kind of get over that hump now. And this year it happens. That's a that's a hot take saying that Giannis can get it done in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that is that is a hot, that is a hot one. It's crazy back to back MVP, but it, that's yeah. what we've gotten to. Yep. Yeah. Well, thanks so much again for joining us. This was of course, great. Of course, it was uh, of course. super fun talking NBA with you. Again, your host of the Raptors pod table. You can find that I'm Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. His writing is on ca.nba.com and follow him on Twitter at gmcgregor21. Gil, yeah, this is a blast. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank thanks for so having much. me. For sure. I'll, we'll definitely do it again. You're completely sure of the math. Look at him. That's my quant. You're what?
my quantitative. Our next segment is Ask the Analytics. Uh, so if you've been watching sports lately, you've seen that analytics, math, nerds are running the sport, uh, any sport. Uh, if you ask a football coach what decision they made, it's always based on what the analytics say. Uh, so we were very intrigued by this, uh, and we thought that we could apply these analytics to everything, uh, to sports, to life, uh, to meat, alcohol. Uh, so we've been spending the past four weeks diligently coding, uh, going through data, writing algorithms, uh, and we've developed our own analytics model uh, to help answer your questions. Yeah, so you guys sent us some awesome questions over Instagram this week, um, like Dylan was saying, sports related or otherwise. So we ran it through our algorithm and we have some pretty solid answers. We're going to answer them using facts, logic, reason. I feel like when we've been advertising this, say we're going to answer it with logic and facts. I feel like one of those YouTube videos where it's like Ben Shapiro calmly dismantles and ruins argument with logic and reason. But that's actually what we'll be doing. So, that is what we're going to be doing. Cold hard facts. Uh, you can't argue with them. <laughs> Our first question comes in from Tommy Slaybaugh, Instagram user at Tommy Slaybaugh. Why are the Sacramento Kings so bad? So I ran this through my algorithm and it gave me a pretty straightforward answer that I agree with. The math checks out completely. Teams in state capitals suck at basketball. It's a fact. I'll give you the examples. Phoenix, state capital, horribly run organization. Devin Booker's a fraud. They've never won anything. Denver, I guess that's a state capital. Haven't done anything. Their best player is European Shrek. Oklahoma City, best players Lou Dort. They also suck. They haven't done anything. Atlanta traded their, their state capital, traded generational talent Luka Doncic for the worst defender in the league. Awful, awful franchise. Boston, that's a state capital? I don't think they count. They're too big of a city. State capitals are supposed to be like some random place that nobody goes to. So I think the answer here, the analytics show, is that if you're a state capital, just accept that you're going to suck at basketball. That The most shocking thing about all that, good. that's a good model. That's a good uh, algorithm output. I didn't know that any of those cities were the capitals of those states. I might Phoenix be wrong. Is the capital of Arizona? <laughs> I, Denver is the. I might none of be those wrong sound right about some of those. So you might have to check your math. <laughs> so I looked up basketball teams and state capitals, and I couldn't find any. So I went through a list of state capitals and. We're like, oh, that team has a basketball team, or that city has a basketball team, that one has a basketball team. So I could be, Look, I'm definitely, I'll tell dude, you this, here's I'm the thing. No, 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 no. I'm missing you, like five. Dude, you ran it through your analytics, and that's what the analytics said. So Correct. you're good. Yeah. All right, so I ran it through my model, why the Sacramento Kings are so bad, and I got some pretty interesting uh, results. So uh, similar to being the state capital of California, Sacramento is also the almond capital of the world. Uh, they produce roughly 20 million pounds of almonds per year. Uh, and I don't know if you know this, but almonds take up a fuck ton of water. Like every pound of an almond takes up 1900 gallons of water. So I don't know if you're following this math, but we have 20 million pounds of almonds per year, 1900 gallons of water per pound. 
that equates to 38 billion gallons of water per year to almonds. And as a city, they only have 46 billion gallons of water a year that they give to their residents, which means there's no water left for the players. They're just dehydrated. Their almond to human water ratio is far too high. That's what my model says. I feel like we answered Tommy's question perfectly. If you're wondering yes. what your GM and your owner are doing wrong, move cities. Stop yes. being in a state capital that makes so many almonds. Move to like, I don't know, Austin, Texas. Is that a, That's not a state capital. I don't know what the state capital of Texas is. Move to a city that's not be. a state <laughs> move to a city that's not a state capital that doesn't make so many fucking almonds there's your answer our next question comes from instagram uh just austin is the capital of texas really (laughs) okay don't move to austin texas move to tampa bay florida yeah yeah what's the capital of florida and that similarly I think another ask the analytics, we'll have to run through this model. So we don't, I have to go to my computer to run it through, but why is Tampa Bay so good at sports? Mm. Something to think about. Good question. You know, it's probably because it's like in a really great place to be like people want to be in Tampa, like good weather. You can train you around things like that, but not a good enough city where players are having too much fun. You know, it's not Vegas. It's not Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It's not LA. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll double check the math in our model on that one and get back to you guys. Yeah, maybe next next time we do this segment. Why is yeah. Tampa so good at sports? Next question comes from at Dylan P. Miller on Instagram. He asks, what is the best beer, meat, and sports combo? Done. What did your algorithm show? Yeah, so uh, my my algorithm uh, is really uh, it it really goes for being able to watch sports and drink and eat for a really long time. Mm. Um, I don't know if I uh, coded in enough data about like you know what beer and and uh, what sport, but it ended up spitting out that the best beer is Bush Light three point two. The best sport is cricket and the best meat is crawfish. And I'm going to tell you why that makes so much sense. It's because you can do all of those things forever. You could eat an entire table worth of crawfish. I don't know if you've ever been to a crawfish boil. You can have like a million crawfish and you never get full. Yeah. Eat them forever. It's like popcorn. Bushlight 3.2. You can drink forever because it's practically water, but it's still technically beer. And then uh, cricket matches last uh, like six days, right? No, like five days. Um, And the algorithm actually spit out a little bit of math that uh, if you drank two beers an hour watching an entire cricket match, assuming that it's six hours a day for five days, which is what the algorithm says, that's the same as drinking a 24 pack of 8.5% IPAs, which is kind of like, you know, it's nice. Like, you know, I... yeah. love your analysis here. 
I'm a hundred percent on board. Because, like, yeah. also the thing is, you know, you sit down for, like, a full slate of football games and you drink, like, four IPAs and you're stuck. You just feel full and, like, you're kind of, like, bent over. You're like, I don't know if I could stay. I could do this for the 8 o'clock game on a Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. You fix that. It's you fix that burn. with this algorithm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. also so. love how we kind of had the same mindset but took completely different strategies with our algorithms here. Because you're it's looking at, like, longevity. You're like, how can we keep it going the longest? I went... I, I went on the margins. So we're both economics majors, right? And we know that it's not always about like total value. It's all about like, it's not about how much you're going to save or spend in total. It's about like your marginal propensity to consume. So what I'm thinking about this, what my algorithm is taking into consideration is not what, do, what sport, what meat, what alcohol I like the most, but what will I always say yes to like one more? You know what I'm saying? So yeah, let me give you my answer. Like for the meat, I'm going a hot dog because I'll never say no to another hot dog. Like I will always eat another, no matter what I'm doing. I could have had 15 hamburgers. I'll eat another hot dog. Same thing with Marg's. That's my drink oh, that I'm going yeah. with here. Cause I wouldn't say that it's my favorite drink necessarily. You know, you get like an ice cold beer. Mojitos are delicious. But if someone puts a Marg in front of me, I'm going to have it a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. And where this is best exemplified, I'd say is with my sports pick or what the algorithm chose as my sports pick. I'm going to NBA playoffs because mm-hmm. I'd say NFL is like my favorite sport to watch. Right. I get the most enjoyment from watching a football game, but I will never stop watching the NBA playoffs. They could be year round. Um, just horrible quality. <laughs> I don't get, it could be like third stringers on teams, but on the margins, I'll always take another NBA playoff game. Mm-hmm. So that's my mm-hmm. combo. I love that. I love that. I think that's, I think those, t- those two answers give very different results, but the logic is, is similar. Very yeah. You might yeah. say completely opposite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> saying, yeah we might have to the longest. And I'm saying, yeah, we might have to you know, one more. dig into the weeds a little bit. Maybe you could check uh, my code. I could check your code and we could see, you know, what's going on there. Yep. 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 Cool. All right. Uh, the third question we got from Instagram user Sam Gaskin. Which QB would be the best on defense and what position? This is a lock. I had this one. It came to me instantly, and the math agreed. The best quarterback to be – which quarterback would be the best on defense in what position? I'm picking Jameis Winston, and I'm putting him as defensive coordinator. Um, it's kind of like the old Chinese battle mantra, know, know thyself, know thy enemy, a thousand touchdowns, a thousand picks. Um, I did some deep digging in the analytics. Jameis threw 30 picks in 2019. You know how many – interceptions the Patriots defense got led by defensive mastermind Bill Belichick only 18 Vic Vangio's defense only got 10 interceptions and Todd Bowles the dominant Bucks defense only 15 James is like <laughs> just completely destroying those numbers you put him on a defense in a coaching position I'm confident that defense could get 20 30 picks a year that makes a lot of sense. And plus, you know that he looks really good holding a clipboard and like <laughs> thinking, 
<laughs> there you he go. He's really already good. got some coaching experience this year, just yeah. sitting behind Taysom and and, and Drew. Um, yeah, yeah. He knows he knows how to be a, a sideline guy. Absolutely. What did your What did your uh, algorithm pick? Yeah. So uh, my model uh, in in this instance, it uh, really likes past performance PP. My model really likes PP. Um, and so what it uh, spit out was Brett Favre. Uh, and that that's because uh, his PP index is very high. Um, he's, he's thrown uh, 336 interceptions, which is the most all time. Um, and so uh, he has the most past experience, most uh, knowledge of how to respond to uh you know, uh, a player running with the ball, uh, how to tackle wide receivers, things like that. So he'd be a great cornerback. That's what I said. Cause he knows similar to yours, know thyself. Um, my model was looking at, uh, the full PP and Brett Favre is one who has the full PP. Yeah. And Brett Favre's PP is well known too. That's the thing is, you, yeah, know, you, exactly. you know, you're getting with Brett Favre's PP. Everyone's seen Brett Favre's PP. Great. So I, I think a Jameis Winston-led defense with Brett Favre uh, starting at the quarterback position would be a lockdown. It would be lockdown D. Lockdown yeah. D yeah. for the PP game. <laughs> All right. Next question comes from at Gingtastic on Instagram. That's Chaucer. He asks, why do Americans think anyone outside of the U.S. cares about Tom Brady? when I ran this question through my model, it like, it almost broke my model. Hmm. Uh, it's, it was numbers that it's, it's never seen before. It, it couldn't quite get it. Um, and, you know, I did a little bit of digging and I found out it's because uh, he reached uh, the 1.0 ROC metric, which has never been done in history. Any, any, no NFL team, no NFL entity, anything like that has ever reached this 1.0 and it was kind of like uh, in, t- in the year 2000 when all the computers started crashing and broke and like no one knew what to do with it because they didn't have that programmed in. I didn't program in a 1.0 ROC rating. Uh, and if you're curious what ROC means, that's rings over continents. Uh, and Tom Brady's the only one that's broken that 1.0 threshold. He has seven rings and there are seven continents. Uh, and that right there is more than enough reason, more than enough evidence for everyone in every single continent to care about Tom Brady. This is why people need to listen to this podcast because on your typical NBA or typical like sports talk show, you might hear how Tom Brady's rings compare against other teams in the NFL, you know, all those kinds of stats. Where else are you going to get the rings over continents metric? ROC. Um, other than me, sports alcohol. I like that. That's a good answer. I'll tell you what I don't like. I don't like this question. Because it kind of feels slanted to like, you know, people in the U.S. shouldn't care or people in the U.S. shouldn't think that those outside of the U.S. care about Tom Brady. As a proud American, I think people should. Tom Brady is as American as apple pie and quokka brew. He stands <laughs> for America and other people should care. And I'll tell you what, the reason why Americans might think that people outside the U.S., care about Tom Brady is because they're so patriotic. And it turns out that the U S is the most patriotic country in the world. 
YouGov conducted an international survey on globalization. Um, and the U.S. came out with a 41%. Oh, wait, wait, wait a second. Let me figure this out. I haven't been in school for a while. Respondents were asked whether they believe <laughs> they live in the best country in the world. And in the U.S., 41% of people said yes. That blew every other country out of the water. India came second, 35%. That's 6% less. So if you're going to ask people, like, should other people care about, should other countries care about Tom Brady? The answer is yes. And for good reason, because they're American. Yeah. Hell yeah. I couldn't agree more. It is crazy, though. I, I just really shat on that question. Um, I saw a tweet the other day that compared Tom Brady against like star soccer players. It's yeah. like Tom Brady has like seven or nine million Instagram followers. Cristiano Ronaldo has like 280 yeah. million. Yeah. <laughs> he just, I think just this week, he passed 500 million followers on like social media. So like tw- his Twitter and his Instagram, like combined, maybe some others, but combined to have 500 million followers which is just like lebron james has like 30 40 million like it's just not even close it's crazy yeah like they're just on another level it's crazy considering how good tom brady's social media game is too i mean he kills it people are missing he's hilarious he's fun yeah 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 Yeah, so i guess really the question is why shouldn't people outside the u.s care about tom brady yeah we'll run that in our model next week well, and, uh, that that was ask the ask the analytics. Um, we brought some cold hard facts, some knowledge, some metrics to all of your questions. Uh, we hope that this provides a definitive answer to what you've uh, you've asked us about. Uh, stay tuned for the next time when we uh, answer some more of your questions, including maybe why Tampa Bay is so good at sports. They have similar constructed teams there with just high powered offense with quarterbacks with a great arm but defense it's pretty lackluster and tom brady who is good when he has no pressure whatsoever and can just stand there for like 20 seconds we have that versus drew Brees and the lackluster saints offense what do you think happened with uh russell in that game was that just the rams d is there something more going on i mean he looks pretty lackluster pretty lackluster Lackluster, pretty lackluster. Tom Brady, pretty lackluster. Lack, 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 lackluster. Pretty lackluster. Saints offense, pretty lackluster. Dylan, lackluster. Pretty lackluster. It's now time uh, for my lackluster performance of the week. Uh, This one was a doozy. There's a lot of lackluster performances uh, this week. Um, So many. Yeah. Yeah, so many to choose from. Uh, but ultimately, the one that I, uh, that I chose actually affects all of us. Um, every single one of us performed pretty lackluster this week. Uh, and that was because, uh, I don't know if you saw the news story that all of COVID can fit into a single Coke can. Um, but that, that's apparently true. And that seems pretty lackluster on our part that like we've just gotten totally fucked by this tiny little thing that's no bigger than a Coke can. Like that's the human people performed pretty lackluster both this week and for the past year that we've just gotten totally fucked by this tiny little Coke can. 
Do we know the size of the Coke can? Is it a standard American Coke can? Because you know the ones in Europe you get? They're like little skinny Coke cans. Oh, the little baby ones. I don't know. I don't know. Or what is it like a tall boy Coke can? I guess it's not really better. Like a Coke no, can, be worse even if your it was biggest, smaller. even your yeah. biggest, even a liter bottle of Coke can of yeah. Coke. It's like <laughs> you really, you really fucked us up, liter of yeah. Coke. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a lackluster performance. I would turn it the other way, though. I mean, I kind of feel like it's a pretty lackluster performance by COVID. We're kicking its ass right now. You know, again, these vaccines out. Uh, here in Georgia, it's like we don't even have COVID. <laughs> no, yeah, that's pretty bad, though. I f- yeah, I feel like COVID just, it just needs to get its weight up. Like, it's so small. It's so scrawny. Yeah, like how we let this tiny like it just thing needs, absolutely ruin us. Yeah, like I just wish it was bigger. More intimidating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. And then we also have these other little tiny strains coming out. I, I got to be honest, I don't really oh, understand. Oh, the British, the British one that can fit in a, a teacup. Oh, the British, the British the strain. British hey, it's me, the British strain. <laughs> Watch out. I mean... I'm the British COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you could you could spread the strain on a crumpet. Uh, yeah. Apparently the vaccine yeah, so still uh, works against the uh, other strains. Like it doesn't protect you against it fully, but it just like doesn't make it as bad. Which is nice. Have you, you gotten got a vaccine yet? COVID talk. I haven't, but I am. I can't wait. Uh, this is. I'm. I'm going to get it as soon as possible. They could. I could get some like black market vaccine if someone is just like, here's a vaccine. We don't know which one it is. Like it, you know, might not work. You have to ingest it yourself. I would do that right now. Yeah, I would. If someone listening has a vaccine, put together something. Helps them out. We'll, we'll put you on the pod if you give us a vaccine. You come yes. on for a segment. Um, yes. Have you heard about like how since when you get the vaccine, like once you unfreeze it, you have to like throw it. You either have to use it or throw it away. Yeah. I know yeah. like a ton of people who have gotten the vaccine just because they've been around and the doctors yeah. are like, oh, shit, I guess I got to throw it away now. And then they're yeah. just standing there. That's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, That's there's like how it works. Yeah, there's a whole um I I saw the story about like there's a whole group of people in LA that just kind of roam around from vaccine center to vaccine center at like 4 p.m. and like they'll just be like, "Yo, you got any unused ones? Like can we <laughs> can we bum a couple of uh, vaccines from you if you're not going to use them?" Like <laughs> Yeah. And they get like it works do you hear about the doctor who got like his life ruined because he did that like yeah his family or whatever and they were like yeah. you can't do that it's malpractice or something COVID talk yeah i know yeah I, I don't have much knowledge on this at all yeah but it can fit in a coke can pretty lackluster performance by humans i remember those days i had no rights i remember those days i had no sticks and that was our show Next week, we're interviewing Mel. Uh, she organizes beer mile runs across Australia. Uh, we're going to talk about the beer mile community and uh, some of her insider tips on how to run a faster beer mile. Thank you for listening to the show. 
Um, if you're enjoying these episodes, please go tell your friends to listen. Just if literally right now, as you're listening, take a screenshot, send it to one of your friends and just say, Hey, douchebag, have you listened to this? And if they say no, be like, you should listen to it. That's if you're enjoying yeah. these episodes. If you don't like these episodes, then I guess you don't have to do that. If you aren't liking this, I'm shocked that you've made it this far. It's We're crazy. Like our sixth episode and you're at the end of it. So I assume by now that you you like these episodes or you just have a burning hatred for us. And this is just fueling the fire. Yeah. Um, we actually also, so what we were thinking is uh, if you recruit two people to listen to the podcast and they recruit two people and they recruit another two more people uh, kind of in a, you know, pyramid like fashion, uh, you will become a platinum meter. Uh, and so there's going to be a lot of perks and benefits to that. So you're definitely going to want to recruit as many meters as possible. This one guy got in early into this, uh, into the meter opportunity and he got a car out of it. He has a Range Rover because he recruited 64 new meters. Yeah. So you're going to want to get into this now. Um, the earlier you get in, the more opportunity you have. Exactly. Thanks for listening. Uh, go follow us on Instagram at meet sports elk and twitter at meet sports elk uh and definitely subscribe and go recruit your friends like we were saying all right fam peace peace and love today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you by now you should have somehow realized what you gotta do I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. Because maybe. Because maybe.